On today's Locked On Grizzlies, I am going to dive into the schedule for the Bears of Beale Street and tell you why the start of the season will be massively important to Memphis. Let's lock in. You are Locked On Grizzlies, your daily Memphis Grizzlies podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, everyone. Your eyes do not deceive you. I am Joe Molinax. I'm flying solo for the very first time here on the Locked On Grizzlies podcast. You're listening to this Locked On Grizzlies podcast. Hopefully, every time an episode comes out, once the season gets rolling every day, you can come check out check out your first listen, Locked On Grizzlies, to get your Memphis Grizzlies uh, process going early in the mornings, whenever you're taking in the show on a lunch break, taking a walk, however you enjoy, whenever you take in your Grizzlies content, hopefully Locked On Grizzlies is your first listen every day. We thank you for doing that. We are free and available wherever you get your podcasts. DeMichael Cole is getting a much-deserved break. Uh, safe to say he... he is a very busy man, has a lot going on, and I am excited to be here with you and giving you a chance to get to hear me talk for 30 minutes. You know, I, I have a pretty interesting voice, and if you're on YouTube, you get to check out the wonderful hairline or the lack thereof, and we get to know each other a little bit better over these next 30 minutes as we talk about, after a few days to soak it all in, the Memphis Grizzly schedule was released, and I don't know about you, but I get very excited Every year when the schedule is released, mostly because we have something to talk about again, right? We don't have to go to the trade machine and make people angry on Twitter like I have a tendency to do at times. But it makes me excited because I know basketball's around the corner. Obviously, uh, as a former site manager for the Memphis Grizzlies uh, blog on SB Nation, grizzlybearblues.com, covering the franchise now as part of that blog for almost a decade, stepped away a few months ago, and now fully embracing the locked-on life with my co-host to Michael Cole of the Memphis Commercial Appeal. I am looking forward to a great season with DeMichael, and I'm looking forward to another year covering the Memphis Grizzlies now as part of the Locked On Network. So let's go ahead and dive in here to what this schedule looks like. Because first off, I would I was wrong on my prediction from the last show. If you remember correctly. I was leaning towards the Grizzlies having something in the realm of 20-plus national television games. You should have taken the under. Hopefully you did. If you found that on Bet Online, you, you're, you're, you're a lucky duck. Because if you went the under and you went against my betting advice, uh, you would have been right. Hopefully you don't do that as the season gets started. But, you know, I'm still new around here. Give me a little bit of time and patience. The times are a-changing. Ladies and gentlemen, that's kind of my main takeaway from the schedule at first, because we're looking at a situation where the Memphis Grizzlies have 18 national television games. That's the most in franchise history. It's the John Morant effect, of course, having a legitimate superstar will do that for you. But it's also the fact that the Grizzlies are good. They are a good basketball team. And when you're a good basketball team, plus that superstar factor, no disrespect to the core four who have a soft place in my heart, as I know you guys do, too. The superstar factor matters. John Morant is active on social media. He has tons of highlights. The kids and younger people can watch on the various platforms that exist. He is the current it player 
for the new generation of NBA stars. And that directly connects to ratings, YouTube clip views, streams on social media, whatever measuring stick you want to use to quantify engagement in 2022, John Morant is very much part of that process. So having jaw certainly helps. Having a team that is capable of being good at basketball certainly helps. So even though you are going to be without Jaron, even though there are other things to consider and be a little concerned about as the season gets underway here in the next six to eight weeks, there are reasons for optimism too. One of the first ones is the fact that the, for the first time, the Memphis Grizzlies are one of the top must-see franchises in the National Basketball Association. That has not been the case before. It is most certainly the case now, as is evident by that 18-game national TV slate. Other things that stood out to me from the release, obviously the Martin Luther King Jr. Day game, in my opinion, more important than Christmas. And even though the Grizzlies are playing the Warriors now on Christmas in one of the prime time slots, that seven, uh, a little after seven o'clock central time start for the Grizzlies against the Warriors on Christmas Day, even with that massive stage, to me, the MLK game, uh, always so important, the way that the Grizzlies organization handles that game, the symposium, all the other amazing pieces and parts that go into making that day a day of service and a day of remembrance. I'm an MLK Day guy. Seeing them play the Suns, that's going to be a great test for these Grizzlies. You would imagine, hopefully, fingers crossed, that Jaron Jackson Jr. is back in the saddle by then, and we get a chance to look at Memphis at close to full strength, hopefully, in terms of health. They're going to be in a position to compete against a team who should be the best in the Western Conference in the Phoenix. So that game really stood out to me. Oh, we talked about the Warriors. Really impressive stuff in terms of that main Christmas Day slot. I was worried that we might have to stay up a little bit late, if you remember, from a previous episode of the show. And I'd be recording a solo Locked On Grizzlies about that game at you know, 2 in the morning, East Coast time. Thankfully, it's not going to be the case. It'll be a little bit more of a uh, an early bedtime on Christmas night after Santa and cookies and presents and all of those sorts of things with the kiddos. Other things that stood out, and thanks to the Memphis Grizzlies organization for sending out some of these details, their longest homestand is in December. We'll talk more about that later on in the show, but I just want to point out who they're playing in that homestand. The Heat, the Thunder, the Pistons, the Hawks, and the Bucks. So across December 5th through the 15th, they are having their longest homestand of the season, 11 days that they get to stay in the comfort of their own bed early in the year, potentially without Jaron Jackson Jr., which might be relevant. We'll talk more about that. But I thought that that was an interesting early chance to be at home. Obviously, through the month of November, uh, they opened the season at home against the Knicks in the middle of October. But as Jaron reintegrates, you hope that it's there in December makes sense that they would be able to maybe do that during that homestand. Uh, their longest road trip in terms of time away from home is nine days, ironically, right after that home stretch in December, December 17th through the 25th, obviously ending on Christmas. Uh, they have the Thunder, the Nuggets, the Suns, the Warriors. The only game that they'll be favored in of those four is the Thunder. The Nuggets are going to be favored. Phoenix is going to be favored. And, of course, Golden State's going to be favored. Believe it or not, Golden State is already favored as we'll talk more about here momentarily. So the, the reality is that road trip coming off of that homestand, it makes the homestand that much more important in terms of really picking up as many victories as they can before they hit that Christmas stretch, because that's going to be rough. 
Like they're not just missing Christmas Day with their families and at home in Memphis. They will miss the previous eight days before that as well. That's a long time out on the road. But you'll notice it's only four games, and that is advantageous. That means they're gone for nine days, but they're going to have a lot of rest in between. I think between the Thunder and the Nuggets games, there's three days off. I think one's a Saturday and one's a Tuesday. So they're going to have some time to stay healthy and rest. In terms of length of games or amount of games, I should say, on the road, they are looking at a five-game roadie January 20th through the 27th, which is a little more than a week, right? About eight days, a little less than that. Lakers, Suns, Kings, Warriors, Timberwolves. And to me, that is one of the most difficult stretches of the season, if not the most difficult stretch. We'll talk more about that, which one I think is the most difficult later in the show. But that's not easy, folks. You're talking Lakers, Suns, Kings, Warriors, Timberwolves. Those are five teams that either will be in the playoffs or the play-in conversation, or at the very least, they're trying to be. Right At the very least, they are trying to be a playoff or play-in team. They are going to be competitive. It's five games in eight days. That's going to be challenging, and you certainly want all hands on deck for that road trip. So hopefully they're able to make that happen. Really, really interesting schedule release. And coming up, we're going to dive into what we have reason to be cautious about, why we should be a little bit nervous coming out of the schedule release and going into the season at large. One of the things that I'm not nervous about right now, I'll be honest, is the fact that the Grizzlies are four and a half point underdogs against the Golden State Warriors on Christmas Day. That's true. It is accurate as of this moment. How do I know that? I know that because of bet online. That's how. It's never too early to get ready for the NBA season or even for Christmas Day basketball. And bet online has you covered if you are ready for that process. BetOnline.net is the fastest and easiest way to check in on all of your betting needs. Find all of your favorite sports and events at the number one online source for odds, lines, and games. Bet Online continues to be the top online resource for all your sports wagering information from live in game betting, scores, podcasts. They've got you covered. Head to Bet Online today, use your mobile device, learn more about the action that is happening right now. There are games happening right now wherever you are on this planet. It's a game, a match. Something's going on that you can bet on through Bet Online where the game starts. I'm a little nervous. I don't know about you. I'm a little nervous about this season. Not because I expect them to be some championship contender that's going to upset the world and win the NBA Finals. Progress is not always linear. You'll hear a lot of people say that. And that is very much the case with these Grizzlies. They are young. They got younger moving on from Kyle Anderson and DeAnthony Melton. They have multiple rookies that are going to be part of their program, whether it's at uh, the, or with the Memphis Hustle down in South Haven, the G League affiliate, or whether it is with the organization at large. Jake LaRavia, David Roddy. These guys are going to be in that mix to play early on and integrating young players on a team that is supposed to be a championship contender, at least in terms of how they performed last year, is challenging. Patience is going to be a virtue when it comes to that. And I think that we are underestimating who is going to start in Jaron's place as the season gets underway. Because regardless of how optimistic or pessimistic or maybe even realistic when it comes to the Grizzlies, you are about Jaron's injury. He's not going to start the season. So if you think he's back mid-November, if you think he's back right there around Christmas time for the Warriors series, as I alluded to in the first segment, maybe you're pessimistic given Grizzlies' history uh, with injuries. 
and he's not back till January or February. Whatever the case might be, he's going to miss time. So there has to be some sort of plan in place to try to replicate in the aggregate what Jaron brings to the table as a rim defender, as a switchable player on the perimeter when it comes to ball screens and switches off of pick and rolls, as a threat, as a three-point shooter. Because if you look at the numbers, Jaron has not been the most efficient three-point scorer as the uh, as the seasons have gone on here lately. But he is enough of a threat from range that teams have to respect him. They have to be in a position to close out on him, and it gives additional spacing for Jaw and other players. And he also can create off the dribble a little bit for himself, depending on who is guarding him. So he has a versatile enough offensive game that they have to plan for him. How do you replicate that? How do you get that production? And then Obviously, like we said, as a rim protector, one of the better defenders in the NBA, they are going to miss Jaron Jackson Jr. He is their best two-way player. John Morant is their best player because of what he does offensively. Jaron Jackson Jr. is their best two-way player as an offensive and defensive weapon. What are you going to do to make up for that? I have said recently that I think Jake LaRavia, and I'm sure DeMichael and I will talk about this on future episodes of Locked On Grizzlies, I would start Jake LaRavia. And the reason I would start him is because of his shooting ability. He allows for Jaw to continue to be Jaw. You have to pay attention to him in terms of his shooting mechanics, his performance in summer league. I could care less about it's summer league. I got burned by Josh Selby. I don't know about you guys. Maybe you can talk about in the comments, the various summer league players you've been burned by that you knew, darn it, that guy's going to be special. And then he wasn't because it was summer league. It was fool's gold, ladies and gentlemen. I'm not going to worry on the other end. I saw the shooting mechanics. I saw the stroke. I thought he did a phenomenal job in terms of being true to himself as a player. And I'm okay with that. I'm okay with the fact that shots weren't going down in Vegas three weeks or so after he got drafted. That doesn't bother me as much. I'm not worried about summer league performance. I'm worried about the crux of his game. He was an excellent shooter in college, a versatile player that could do a variety of things on both ends of the floor. He's certainly not going to be the rim protector, doesn't have the athleticism of Jaron, but he can help make the offense click. And that's going to be the way that the Grizzlies are going to have to score this coming season. Another topic for future shows. With Kyle Anderson and DeAnthony Melton gone, you can argue they weren't that important to postseason success. And I think that's a fair point to make. But how did the Grizzlies score, a, not a majority, but a large chunk of their points last season? Transition defense becoming offense. That's how they got their buckets. That's how John Moran had so many of those highlight plays we talked about in the first segment. That's gone now. It's not there. Those two guys have moved on. If you're not worried about them in the playoffs, that's fine. You can't deny the regular season success and the contributions they made to that regular season success. So the way Memphis scores the basketball, is going to have to adapt and adjust and change. I think LaRavia helps you the most of the options present. Santi Aldama, theoretically, could be that guy. I wouldn't be against Santi coming in and getting a chance since he's more veteran than Jake is. I just think LaRavia is a better player from what I've seen from college, not just saying professionally, because, uh, again, summer league is summer league. But from watching the college tape, seeing Santi play, seeing Jake play, the film that I watched, I'm more confident in Jake's game translating to the NBA, at least in terms on the offensive side of the floor, where Memphis in the half court is going to have to be more successful because of the way their roster has changed. I'm also interested in 
the Dylan Brooks factor. And we're going to talk about Dylan in the final segment of today's show where we talk about positivity. There's reasons to be excited, of course, about what Memphis is going to do in the wake of the schedule release. I'm nervous, first off, about how you bring Dylan's usage into the fold. Not so much when Jaron's out. Because, again, we'll talk more in a moment. That's going to be a good thing early on in the season when Dylan can be that third scorer because Jaron's not there. But Dylan's return in terms of his usage, whenever Dylan Brooks has been on the floor, he has commanded the ball for better or for worse. And we can have longer and future conversations about the gift and the curse, the trick or the treat for those that have been around the Grizzlies for a while. That is Dylan Brooks. But Dylan, especially in a contract year, is going to be very interested in showing up and showing out. We do not have much evidence that Dylan Brooks is willing to go away from the high usage kinds of things that he wants to do. Now, don't get me wrong. We just mentioned a moment ago, they're trying to, or at least they should be trying to, get better in their half-court offense. And you need guys that can create off the dribble. You need guys that can score in that manner. And Dylan Brooks is one of those guys. He's one of the ones before Desmond Bain had his renaissance last season. Dylan was the only other one, aside from Ja. Now you can't really say that as much with Desmond and the success that he's had. But Dylan, as Jaron gets back into playing shape and becomes the player that everybody hopes and believes he'll be, Dylan's your fourth best guy at best. Is he willing to do fourth best usage? That's an important question to ask. And I think that's one that we need an answer to in the first few months, especially if Jaron does come back a little bit earlier, that's going to be a major storyline to watch throughout this upcoming season. How well can Dylan Brooks reintegrate with this roster? We've seen growth in his game at Grizzly Bear Blues. When I was the site manager there, I talked about it. Parker Fleming, the current site manager there, has written about it. Anybody who has real estate on Dylan Brooks Island will go to bat for the guy in terms of growth that he has shown in his game he has tried at times to be a better facilitator, facilitator, excuse me, passer of the basketball. He has done all of those things and more at times. It's inconsistent. Defensively, we've talked about how impactful he can be. He is one of the most physical wing defenders in the NBA. He has the ability to use his mind, to be psychologically sound, to not allow anyone to get in his head. Again, for better or worse, his confidence is unshakable. His self-belief is unconquerable. It's a good thing and a bad thing. How do you bring that level of competitiveness, that level of uniqueness? Because Dylan Brooks is a unique basketball player in terms of how he fits the NBA, how he fits these Grizzlies. It's ever-evolving and ever-changing. And that is something that also, as the schedule begins, we need to watch for. And how when Jaron comes back, how Dylan finds his footing, and if he even can, as that fourth man, as opposed to how he's going to start the season with Jaron out. When we come back for the final segment of this episode of Locked On Grizzlies, I'm tired of being negative. It's time to get excited, ladies and gentlemen. Let's talk about reasons to be optimistic with these Memphis Grizzlies starting the regular season. The regular season starts well for Memphis, believe it or not. As difficult as things can be, whether it's that tough Christmas stretch that we mentioned earlier, the stretch in January where it's five games in about eight days, all against playoff and play-in opponents, there's reasons for optimism. And one of the reasons for optimism 
is from my good Twitter friend and blogging uh, buddy, Matt Moore, over at Hardwood Proxism at HP Basketball. He does a great job covering the NBA for the Action Network. Very, very impressive work that he does over there. And he does a phenomenal job breaking down schedules. One of the things that he tweeted out recently about the Grizzlies' first 20 games is one of the main reasons that I have a lot of optimism going into this season. Only two back-to-backs, which is massively important. Lots of opportunity for built-in rest. They have the seventh easiest strength of schedule going into the season. Again, some of these teams might be better. Some of these teams might be worse. A lot can still change here in the next couple of months. But going into the season as of now, it's the seventh easiest strength of schedule. They start with New York at home, like we mentioned. They're at Houston, at Dallas. They host Brooklyn. They have an early roadie where they go Sacramento, Utah, Utah, back-to-back at Utah. But they're, again, it's not a back-to-back set of games. They're just not traveling. So it's a back-to-back, it's a back-to-back in Utah, excuse me. But it's not a back-to-back in terms of dates. They play October 29th on a Saturday night and then on October 31st on a Monday night. Then they go to Portland. That's not that menacing for a four-game road trip. You could easily argue Sacramento is the best of those four teams. And no offense to the Sacramento Kings, the Grizzlies should be able to compete even without Jaron Jackson Jr. with the Sacramento Kings. Then they host Charlotte. They host Washington. Boston will be tough. That's the second night of a back-to-back. But again, it's a home-and-home back-to-back, so they're not traveling. They have to go to uh, San Antonio after that, who very clearly is tanking now. Uh, They host Minnesota. That'll be a fun game on a Friday night. Highly recommend that you attend that if you're there in Memphis. They're at the Washington Wizards on uh, Sunday, November 13th. Then they're in New Orleans on the road. And then OKC wraps up their first 20 games. That's not tough. That's relatively easy. You could, even with Jaron out, 14 and 6, 13 and 7. I think those are all realistic numbers for this Grizzlies team, even with a concern about Jaron Jackson Jr.'s health. And after those first 20, you're in the middle of November. And if you're optimistic about that Jaron Jackson Jr. injury, he will likely be back in the mix. You have to assume that John Morant's continued ascent to NBA superstardom is going to be there. There are very few players in the National Basketball Association that combine excitement, energy, with the willingness to put in the work. He has evolved every year so far as he has grown in the NBA. To be an MVP candidate in your third season in the league and then to win a most improved player instead of being the MVP, that's pretty impressive. He's one of the few players in the history of the game that is capable of doing what he is doing. You want to compare him to Allen Iverson, Michael Jordan, Russell Westbrook. All of those dudes are future Hall of Famers. And don't hate on Russell Westbrook in the comments. I know you're going to. All right? Russell Westbrook's a Hall of Famer. Relax. All right? Relax. But we Maybe that's a topic for another offseason episode of Locked On Grizzlies. I'm excited about watching Ja take the mantle of franchise player now that he has signed his max contract. He's in Memphis the next six years. No player option, which you should always remind yourself about if you're ever feeling down, sad. You feel upset about how things are going for you. Remember that John Morant is going to be a Memphis Grizzly for the next six years. Put a smile on your face. You see that? I'm feeling good. You feeling good? I'm feeling great about that information. 
We mentioned how things are pretty easy for the team before Christmas. They have that stretch of home games before they go on the road for that Christmas road trip. They are set up nicely. Even if Jaron's absence leaks into December, I don't think that it's going to crush them because of who they're playing against and how the game space out, especially that nice long homestand. That's massively important. I'm also excited because of Dylan Brooks, to be honest with you. I know in the previous segment, we talked about how Dylan Brooks could be a potential liability, but if you ever needed somebody to take on some weight, to take on the brunt of some frustration and go out there and run through a wall and make it happen, that's Dylan Brooks, folks. He is going to be willing to do what the team needs him to do in that specific regard. He's done it throughout his time as a Memphis Grizzly. He had to start as a rookie. He was defending the very best the NBA had to offer on the perimeter as a rookie. A second round pick from Oregon. That first year of the Grizzlies tank. Dylan Brooks has seen some stuff and he's been through some things in the NBA. So when it comes to attacking adversity, there are a few players that I would rather have on my professional basketball team that I'm following or supporting than Dylan Brooks. It's when things are going well and you want him to loosen those reins that maybe you get a little more, eh, how's this going to go? But when you're in a tough spot to start, Dylan Brooks is your guy. I'm excited to see how he helps this team get through that Jaron-less era, which is hopefully a short one. And the integration, that's going to be something to keep an eye on, but it's not going to be a concern at first. And he's going to be able to slide into that third-man role where his usage won't be as big of a deal. Hopefully he'll be facilitating for Desmond in the corner on the perimeter, jaw cutting backside as guys collapse on him. We can see Dylan play more off of Steven Adams, who's such an excellent screener, how important Steven is to that offense. Brooks can create his own shot off the dribble too. So we saw flashes of it in the playoffs. We didn't see Ja and Bain and Dylan play together a ton last season. I think it's going to be a lot of fun to see the perimeter set of players have a chance, knock on whatever hard object is around you to stay healthy and get on the floor together and compete. I'm excited to see Dylan take that on again in theory. Theoretically, we know that Dylan is capable of fighting through those tough times. He's been through a lot already in his NBA career. That will be valuable experience for this team as they start without, again, their best two-way player in Jaron Jackson Jr. And then one last thing I'm really excited about, I don't know if you know this or not, but Brandon Clark has not signed a contract extension yet. We're talking contract Clark and whether he's the starter instead of Jake LaRavia, which I could also see. I think that, as I mentioned before, Santi Aldama or LaRavia make more sense in terms of the offense. Clark has the most experience. Clark is an excellent rim runner. Clark provides some of that perimeter versatility defensively. While you might limit yourself some on the offensive end, if he's not able to be a three-point shooter, which we don't have a ton of evidence that he can be at this stage, there's value to Clark in that spot. But whether it's as a reserve or whether it is as a starter, you know, darn well Brandon Clark is going to have an impact in that front court. And you also know that he is going to be massively important to whatever they are going to do with Jaron out, especially defensively. Uh, Clark and Adams pairing makes sense in some ways defensively, but you also want to see what Clark can do next to LaRavia, what Clark can do next to Aldama. Maybe you go small at times and Clark is your five 
Brooks or Zaire Williams, who we haven't talked much about on this episode, can be your four. I don't know who's going to grab rebounds then. I don't know that I would necessarily do that, but there's a lot of positional versatility when it comes to Brandon Clark, and I think that is something that is to be excited about because he is going to go and try to get the bag. He And maybe Memphis still signs him before the season. That's possible, too. They still have a window of time here to get that extension done. But regardless, Brandon Clark is back with the team, at least as of now. He is under contract. Whether or not there's an extension, whatever else, come what may, Clark is going to be a guy who, again, experienced. He is not a rookie in the NBA anymore. He is not someone who hasn't played a lot of NBA basketball in tough spots and tough situations. He, as a reserve or as a starter, will help Memphis get through this challenging time. And I'm excited to watch how he responds because it's going to be an interesting storyline throughout the season. Is Brandon Clark part of this core moving forward? Jaw is part of the core. Jaron is part of the core. Desmond Bain almost certainly will get a Jaron-esque extension, if not more, next summer. Is Brandon Clark in that mix? Is Dylan Brooks in that mix? Both of those guys are going to both try to prove that they should be. And that's going to be something well worth watching early on and throughout the season, which we can dream about more freely, ladies and gentlemen, now that the schedule has been released. I'm excited. Hopefully you are too. Next time we're together on Locked On Grizzlies, very excited to have DeMichael back with me. He, we're going to get his take on the schedule. We're going to talk about a Jaren update, kind of feel, get a feel. Uh, DeMichael talked to a foot doctor recently, how that all kind of plays out and, and what is realistic for Jaren. I think we need to have a deeper conversation about that because you don't want to rush somebody back who's such a key part of the future of your franchise. But again, the Grizzlies are technically a title contender right now, even after their moves they have talent that they should be in the top eight to 10 in the NBA. And if you're in the top eight or so, even if you want to say they're a dark horse contender, they're a contender. So we'll talk about that on the next episode of Lockdown Grizzlies. Thank you so much for making us your first listen every day, getting your Grizzlies content. For your second listen, go get up to date on the latest news and rumors in the NBA. Another 30-minute show. Locked on NBA. Locked on NBA should be your daily NBA update. Again, it's only a 30-minute show between Locked Locked on Grizzlies and Locked on NBA. You are set for everything you need in an hour. Doesn't get much better than that. It doesn't get much better than our first episode with me flying solo. Hopefully you've enjoyed it. I appreciate you being with me. Be kind to me in the comments. It's my first time. Be gentle. All right. Hopefully you enjoyed listening, watching, however you're taking in the show. I look forward to having DeMichael back with me next week. Until then, thank you for listening or watching Locked On Grizzlies. Joe Molinax out.